0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest all the way from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, Reid Good G'day, mate. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Now, Reed, you're based in Los Angeles, but you invest in multifamily properties in a bunch of other cities. Correct. We're at an, really an unprecedented time in modern history. Give me a little bit of your backstory and your journey to this point in real estate investing, and then we'll talk a little bit about current events.
1: Sure. So the 30-second elevator pitch is uh, I moved to the United States back in 2012 to to chase two loves in my life, uh, one, one being my then girlfriend, now wife, and, and the other one being New York City to live as an expat. My, my background is in structural engineering, moved here as a structural engineer, discovered the value of real estate investing here in the United States and just how much more cash flow was available compared to where I was from in Australia, which is probably very similar to your Canadian markets where you're from. And um, over a period of time, I was able to, through a lot of hard work and hustle, I was able to eventually leave and quit my W2 job and take my investing career full-time currently. And the co-founder of Wildhorn Capital, we have nearly 2,000 units in Austin and San Antonio, about a quarter billion under management. And um, the, the whole shtick that I have is that you know, if, if a guy from halfway across the world can come here and achieve financial freedom and do it in within eight years, then so can the average American. So hopefully people listening to this show can get off the fence and start taking some action in their lives and, um, and, and, and taking control.
0: I love that. Well, boy, we have so many different points of connection here. So my mother was actually a structural engineer and an architect in Manhattan for many years. Mm. And uh, so she, she was actually the second woman in history to graduate in architecture from Cornell University.
1: Wow. Wow. That's very, very impressive.
0: And uh, you'll appreciate this as a structural engineer. She worked on the Pan Am building, which sits on top Mm. of Grand Central Station, and she did the mechanical damping to isolate the building from the vibration of the trains immediately below. Yes,
1: yes, I do do appreciate that. (laughs) It's not an easy feat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not an easy feat. And what she designed was a series of lead concrete sandwiches Mm. of dissimilar thickness so that you could never get a standing wave to traverse through that structure. Interesting.
1: That's that's yeah, and it's it's similar to when you're in earthquake-prone areas, how you, particularly here in Los Angeles, and not so much in Australia, but in New Zealand, they have a lot of issues with earthquakes and how you dampen those vibrations to make sure the structure doesn't fall down. Let alone just having the the train vibrations from from Penn Station as well.
0: I love it. So you're now in in LA. You're investing in Austin and in San Antonio. I know the Austin market extremely well. Uh, tell me a little bit about the asset classes, what parts of town you're in, and the makeup of the portfolio.
1: Yeah, so the, the portfolio started in San Antonio really with the sixty to $70,000 a door range uh, assets. It was a little bit lower barrier to entry and it started with 192 unit down there about four and a half years ago and have grown that over the last couple of years. Uh, we've got five assets in San Antonio, three assets in Austin, and really now focusing more on the Austin area because my, our whole thesis is, now given the current climate you know if you interviewed me 6 months ago i wouldn't know that it would be sitting here in covid-19 but you know for a when a recession is to hit which will ultimately will hit now after covid we were we're backing cities like austin texas who have really transformed into a high demand low supply market where you have a high barrier to entry for new product um, I, I'm given my background in structural engineering. I know the the rigmaroles of getting things approved in coastal cities like New York and LA and San Francisco. Price per dirt, the dirt is really, really expensive. So when you're having a high barrier to entry into a market like Austin, Texas, which has really transitioned in the last twenty years to more of a coastal city, global city, uh, some would say. Uh, your existing product obviously is then valued at a lower cap rate, which means higher, but we believe in our th- investment thesis that that would help us with the downturn because people will still want to follow the jobs. The demand will still be there rather than looking at, at oversupply in a market. So I'm very conscious of those sort of investment decisions and theses uh, and hence why we're now not – we probably won't buy any more in San Antonio, but be really focusing more on – uh, developing the portfolio, building it out in uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, for those for those specific reasons.
0: Now, are you repositioning existing assets, or are you building new?
1: That is correct. Yeah, re- repositioning existing assets with the focus on looking at after the next downturn, where potential higher and better use, meaning you can go double the density on on some of these um, areas. We we just bought a two hundred and eighty four unit property right across the road from um, where the, what's going to be called the new Catalyst project, uh, a million square feet of Oracle um, retail and office space is going to be built. 600 units are actually being demolished in order to build that million square feet. So we are thinking at some point in the next five to seven years that our asset across the street will look pretty 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 uh, for a developer if they wanna come and double the density or change the the, the type of use um, that is on the current property which is literally just existing multifamily. So having a little, still that the value add component, but it's now different value add. It's not putting lipstick on a pig and spending 7,500 bucks a unit and getting $150 rental premium. It's looking above and beyond into the next cycle to see what is gonna be really, really valuable for a potential developer or even for ourselves to go and entitle it and then sell it to a developer in the future.
0: Well, certainly Austin has grown population-wise. It's become a much bigger tech hub over the last 20 years. I mean, you had the anchor tenants of Motorola, Freescale, IBM, Dell, and uh, AMD in in Austin. Now you've got a tremendous amount of growth with Apple uh, and a bunch of other tech companies really moving out of Silicon Valley or, or expanding their Silicon Valley presence in the Austin market and a lot of startup activity. I mean, Austin Ventures used to be just a venture capital firm. Now they are so large, they behave more like a private equity firm right. than a VC firm. So the investments that are going into the Austin market just in technology alone are, are massive. They're on the same scale of Silicon Valley. So these are definitely the kinds of high value jobs that you you would be looking for that would be ideal for anybody looking to make an investment.
1: Correct. And also then the high-value jobs that are hopefully sticking around um, for the long-term future that it continues to uh, attract better and better talent, coupled with the University of Texas just being in, in, based in Austin there, having a, a fresh crop of um, smart, educated tech employees to keep filling the sector up and keep filling those jobs. So so yeah, that's that's, that's why we're, we love it.
0: I love it. Now, here we are. We've just collected rent for the month of April how mm-hmm. has that gone?
1: Better than expected. So had, had definitely, headlines have been we're above ninety. Call it ninety-four percent across all the portfolio, the two thousand units. Um, there's been some assets that are a little bit, you know, more in San Antonio that are a little bit slower. Um, but the big thing is, this is really unprecedented times. Uh, we want to be, you know, make sure as operators and as as owners, as good owners, we are keeping uh, our, our tenants safe and healthy and our employees safe and healthy, but also working with our tenants, knowing that they haven't lost their job due to anything that they've done in themselves and that we're there to support them. Now we also then need to have some relief from if there's, if we have a larger group of tenants and you know, the coming months of June, May and, and June that continue to be um, stuck at home and not be able to get out in, in the workforce and, and earn money that we need to look at, you know, um, Everyone needs to play their part. Is what I'm saying. Right now, we're completely fine. The the assets are as a plus 94% are collected for the month of April. The sentiment is across the industry, particularly the people that I rub shoulders with, is that April was always going to be okay. It's, if we were still stuck in our houses in a month's time, the longer we're stuck in our houses, the longer it's going to hurt. And uh, and we as operators and owners know that. And we need to we need to plan for the, the worst and hope for the best.
0: Now, there's been a lot of fanfare about various uh, forgiveness programs, uh, interest holidays and things like that that have been Bandied about in the media. Have you had any discussions about potentially some forbearance agreements with any of your lenders at this point?
1: Yeah. So um, half of our portfolio is with bridge banks, uh, bridge lenders, I should say, uh, and the other half is with Freddie. Right now, all our bridge lenders have been very. We're just, we're just having conversation. you are letting them know where we're at, letting them know where collections are at, and just keeping them informed on a weekly or every every other week basis as we we come into the end of the month and early into the, the preceding month of May. With the Freddie stuff. They're trying to develop criteria in real time and we're getting it fed from our servicer in real time. So there's no hard and true process right now with Freddie of like how you'd go and apply for it. The, the high level news that we've received uh, as operators is that, look, pay your debts. And if, you, if you've if you struggled to even get that first payment done, then come to us and produce a bunch of documentation. That documentation is still a little bit uh, in the gray in terms of what they what we should provide and then we'll they'll work with us unlike the bridge banks which are a little bit more flexible and and and, and you know easily you pick up the phone you can have a chat with the bank manager pretty quickly so again for the month of april we've had no issues we've just been sort of communicating with with banks trying to see as regulations are being written in real time and how we we respond to those regulations if and when we needed to do those
0: there's a school of thought that says as this economic downturn deepens maybe the terms of these forbearance agreements might become even more generous than they are today. In your opinion would it be worth holding off executing one of these as long as possible or
1: I yes I I'm on the school of thought that if you have a property where as of April or May you are struggling to pay you know let's let's not beat around the bush freddie and fannie have very low leveraged deals out there. They don't want to own deals. So hopefully your occupancy hasn't dropped so significantly that your 70% or 65% LTV is being affected. Um, But if it is, uh, you know, our our thought is like we would dip into our own pockets um, and try and push off that forbearance for a little bit of time. Because what you don't want to get into the scenario is if you do have a bad property, that you're then saddling the property up for, you say you get three months of forbearance, well then you've got another 12 months after that where that three months worth of interest is then paid back over 12 months. And if your if you're, property doesn't just doesn't bounce back from say 80% vacant or 75% vacant uh, occupied to, to 100% occupied in a period of three months, it will take time. So you're saddling a property that is already an issue up with additional debt over a in three months, you're just sort of kicking the can down the road. So... I, as an owner, uh, would, would rather dip into my own pocket and pay any shortcomings and push the forbearance off as long as I possibly can before going in and having to actually apply for it. Because knowing that the next 12 months might be a struggle as well, if that particular asset is already
0: struggling today. There's an awful lot of folks out there, and it's driven obviously by what we're hearing in the media, thinking that, well, this is a few weeks and after a few weeks, everything will return to normal. I don't share that point of view If we are looking at a much more extended economic downturn, and I believe we are, and I think the recovery, when it takes hold, is going to be a long and a slow recovery, what kind of time horizon are you planning on for having to wade through the mud here, so to speak?
1: Yeah, well, look, we've got capital on hand on all of our assets, um, some more than others. Uh, The beauty of having a portfolio is that we can uh, make loans from one asset to another if we need to with with the way our legal documentation is written. But at the end of the day, like if this drags on for, and I'm saying dragging on meaning We don't get back to some sort of normalcy soon, in the next month or two. Um, If this is a really, you know, we're still in our houses in six months' time, then I think we're all up the creek, (laughs) uh, regardless of how much money you've got on hand. So right now, I I do share your sentiments with the, if we are out of our houses, let's call it by end of May, early June, it will be a slow recovery. I think Q4, you'll start to see some some activity um, jump back. The, the lower end folk who who have lower end jobs, which is really the housing we provide, they're going to be the ones that are going to struggle getting you know the bills paid again, getting the confidence to go back out in the market and spend dollars when you've just spent the last three months sitting sitting at home stressing about your financial situation isn't isn't going to be great, um, regardless of where what market you're investing in. In saying that, on the other side of the coin, here's the other thing victor is that this is applying across the entire world this is not america's problem or australia's problem or canada's problem you know rent is due everywhere in europe in australia in america in mexico it's all so owners are finding it the pinch across the globe what's going to be interesting is individual cities and how we're all going to be at the starting gates together and how we get out of those starting gates, depending on the city. What I mean by that, when a sporting team is going to come back, when a music festival is going to come back, when is you know restaurants going to start to reopen and get to that back to that normalcy. And, and depending on where you're invested is going to dictate on how successful you are coming in and out of uh, the, this, this recession. Some very interesting times ahead of us. No one has a crystal ball, but you know the best thing you can do is, is prepare for the worst and hope for the best.
0: I love that. Well, Reid, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn a bit more, what's the best way?
1: Best way is just to jump on my website. It's uh, ReidGoossens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. Um, if anyone's coming through LA and they want to meet up for a beer or coffee or just talk shop, you can hit me up at info at ReidGoossens.com. Uh, just give me enough heads up before you come and we can try and make it happen.
0: Terrific. Reed, thank you for sharing your perspective. And definitely, I wish you the best of luck. Rent collections on May 1st. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Reed at com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.